0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: Russell has time. Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown Seahawks
0: Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast as we preview the Seahawks game against the New York Giants. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com and Aaron Johannes, also from Seahawks.com. We are coming off a bye week. Aaron, what did you do last week?
2: Well, that's a good question. I uh, went to Vancouver for a little bit, and I also went to Portland, and I slept a lot, which was Honestly, what I like to do a lot, so I got to enjoy that, and just took a lot of downtime to kind of decompose as the the rest of the season comes up, comes along.
1: Okay, John, I saw some pictures of some cute toddlers, some cute yes. babies, I should say. A
2: little bit of
0: both, toddlers yeah. and babies. Toddlers yeah. and babies. Some good family time okay. down in uh, Vancouver and Portland with the with the in-laws.
1: You two are both in Vancouver and Portland together. Oh, I should have clarified. Because then when you said Portland, <laughs> I'm thinking Vancouver, Washington. No, he, he okay. went
0: both directions. He went north and Wow, south. that's... I just was in the neighborhood. cities. a lot cities. of
1: traveling. Yeah, yes. I would have done that. My parents came to visit last week. Very so I, I hosted my parents and some family, and I spent... All day Sunday, watching football with a mimosa in hand, like all day. It was kind of the never-ending mimosa. mimosa. It was the never-ending mimosa. Uh It was fantastic. And it was so interesting to watch teams play for a lot of different reasons, right? I watch a game differently when I'm on the sidelines. You guys watch a game differently when when you're writing and, and kind of in that game mode. But when you watched what happened on Sunday around the league, how did that either change or reinforce where the Seahawks are right now to me it
0: just sort of showed what has been the case in the NFL for a lot of years and especially seems to be right now is that we early in the year we just don't know like there's teams that you think for a couple weeks are really good and then all of a sudden they don't look so good you have the 0-5 Giants go to Denver and beat a pretty solid Broncos team on the road so um, in terms of where the Seahawks are I still feel really. good. I mean, we talked about this when they were two and two. I feel good about this team when they're just kind of they're still finding their way a little bit. But we've seen it so often that they get better as year goes on. November, December is when this team is really playing its best. And the fact that they're sitting there three and two, half a game out of first place, because they didn't play last week. You know, with the win in hand
2: in L.A., I, I still feel really good about where this team sits. What's really interesting about this point in the season so far is. Think about this. What do we defin- what, what, what can we point to right now that we know in the NFL when it comes to the best teams? Like, New England has kind of struggled to start off. Green Bay just lost Aaron Rodgers. Kansas City has, has started off good, but at the same time they haven't had the best playoff success recently. There hasn't been, like, something that we can d- point to and say, you know what, we know that this team is this or, or this or that. Like, we can point to Denver and be like, you know, their defense is really good, but you look at last week's performance, it was disappointing for them. So there's, it, that's the one thing that we really don't even know right now about this point in the season. There's there's not really one thing that's clear so far among all the teams.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I guess you if you had to pick something, you would say overall health. you got to be healthy at most of those positions. And I would say just based on um, kind of what we've seen in the past, defense, defense, defense down the stretch and – The Seahawks are in pretty good shape when it comes to both of those factors. And we didn't have a chance to break down the game against the Rams. But I got to tell you, I think I enjoyed that bye week a whole lot more knowing that regardless of what the numbers were in that game, they found a way to beat a team that has just been a nemesis the last few years, particularly on the road, John. Exactly. I mean, they hadn't won a
0: road game for Rams since St. Louis in 2013. And to hold—I mean, that Rams—the turnaround they've made is pretty legitimate, and their offense has been good. They came into that game averaging 35 points a game, so to hold them to 10 points in that game and just really completely shut them down in the second half, that was really encouraging to see. Now, the offense scuffled a little bit, didn't get going, but we've seen the best Seahawks teams of the Pete Carroll era struggle offensively against the Rams— particularly that that defensive front, Aaron Donald, give the Seahawks a lot of trouble. So I don't read a lot into struggling offensively against the Rams, and when you do enough to get the win on the road, that's good enough for me.
1: Well, and Aaron, if you take a look at how the defense played, that is always good enough for me. Man, the Rams came in. They were the highest-scoring team in the league. They scored just 10 points and nothing in the second half. But here's my question does momentum stop when you hit the bye week
2: uh, I don't think so I think it can kind of continue because you, you go into the bye week and you rest up and you look at the last performance and you're able to build off of that and you kind of look at that performance and say, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And you can kind of have an extra week to to build off of that going into the next week. So now they're going to go to New York, obviously, and play the Giants. And, I mean, when you have a, a five-turnover performance against the Rams, I mean, that's the most turnovers they had in the game since December of 2013, which ironically came against the Giants. Uh, but that's – I mean, that's a really good performance to build off of and to look at on the tape and to kind of review as you go into the next week.
1: We'll talk more about the Giants in a few minutes because they have had a lot of injuries to deal with, and I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on whether there's an opportunity for more turnovers this week or fewer just based on what the Giants are doing. But we'll get into that kind of game preview in just a second. Health-wise, what do we know about the Seahawks over – during the bye week, I know it helps some guys get over some some bumps and bruises and some nicks, but it looks like Luke Jokel is not just going to miss one game, but a few.
0: Yeah, Pete Carroll said it could be four or five weeks. He said they really won't be able to make a good determination for probably three weeks. So this kind of reminds me, Michael Bent had a similar thing last year. Surgery in the bye, missed four games, I believe. So uh we'll see you know down the road what that means but it looks like right now Mark Lewinsky Ethan Posick will battle for that job this week and Pete Carroll said you know don't be surprised if they both play Sunday so it might be a chance to kind of let them continue that competition in a game so they can get the best fit going forward now it is nice having a guy who started there all last year in Mark Lewinsky he didn't move to the right side this year so he's you know making a move back, but. This is a guy who started a full season there, so you're not just plugging some random guy in there.
1: And I think that that's a good point. And, you know, Mark Lewinsky was down there answering questions from reporters this week. And I think part of it, it's not just knowing – And making sure that your footwork is correct, because when he and I talked during training camp, he said, you know, you wouldn't think it's that big of a deal to move over to the right side. But I got to think about relearning everything the opposite direction when you're taking your first step back with the other foot. But it's also the communication that Luke Jokel brought to that group. He had played Um, in a lot of games. He had a lot of experience on that side of the line. I think it's good to have Glow over there so that there's some continuity between him and Justin Britt because you're going to have to be prepared for what the Giants can bring this week on defense. Yeah,
0: they're a team that brings a lot of pressure. We saw Jason Pierre-Paul had three sacks last week. So, um, yeah, I mean, the communication part, especially on the road, is always big for a line. So when you have a guy that A, has played a lot of games, B, has played next to Justin Britt for a lot of games, so even if he's going from right side to left side, he's still got that center right next to him. And C, he and Riso while they haven't played together a lot, they have some of that relationship built up from from being teammates for a couple of years. So, you know, look, it's not ideal to lose a starter for a quarter of the season or so, but at least you're in a situation where if Ethan Postick's the better player and he wins the job, great. That means he went out and earned it, but you have a a very solid fallback option in Mark Lewinsky, who's done it.
2: It was
1: interesting in talking to Justin Britt today as well. And, Aaron, I'm going to get to you in just a second with how the bye week helps some of the defensive guys get back on track. But, you know, it was interesting when I asked Justin – did the bye week come at the right time or the wrong time? Is it too early? And he said, you know, for as long as I've been playing in Seattle, it feels like we always get an early bye week. He goes, but it's the perfect time because we've been grinding so long. If you go back to training camp, this is like the middle of our football season. It's finally the break that you were waiting for after going through training camp and preseason in the first, you know, five weeks of the season. It came at the right time. We got a chance to evaluate. You get a chance to rest up. And now... Now we know that we can play as deep as we need to to get this thing done. I just thought it was interesting because I never considered that whole training camp preseason that it was as much of a mental grind for them as going through the regular season. So that works out well for the Seahawks. Aaron, we've talked about the fact that Luke Jokel had some surgery, needed to get some stuff cleaned up. Michael Bennett was a name that was brought up.
2: What's his status for this week? Well, it looks like Mike is is leaning towards probably playing. I mean Pete said he did go through walk to walk through this morning I um, and he is gonna practice today. Um it looks to me it looks like he he's gonna be able to give it a shot against them and I mean that's that's big. I mean obviously having Michael Bennett is huge um to your defensive line. So I, I think he's more likely to play um we're you know we're unsure about cliff averill uh cj ProSice is expected to be back this week so that also helps the running game as well so they're gonna get they're probably gonna get a couple guys back and having that bye week did help them out a lot to get them rested and to get them uh, prepared for this week
0: i i would maybe warn fans with with a foot injury like michael bennett's this is probably gonna be something you see him having to deal with all year so Maybe don't panic every Wednesday if if there's a Michael Bennett did not practice foot with the practice report because these you know these type of injuries they don't just go away when you're trying to play through it and they you know he's a tough guy and he's going to be able to be effective playing through it but he's going to probably have to deal with it for much of the season
1: and even though he was able to get several days off last week that is not nearly enough no. to make sure that that clears up and I guess John why don't you go a little bit further with that conversation and. Why shouldn't fans be concerned? Look, Michael Bennett is Michael Bennett, right? And and nobody is going to be Michael Bennett. But if he is not able to take all the reps in the game, why else shouldn't fans be concerned? Well,
0: there's, I mean, we've seen some good depth out of that defensive line, both in terms of guys like Frank Clark, who stepped up into a starting role with Cliff A. out and just some of the other young players who have played well. And then. We don't know yet for sure, but there could be some reinforcements coming. Um, We've heard a a lot from Pete Carroll about Deion Jordan, the guy they signed this offseason, making some steps. He's not coming back to practice this week off the non-football injury list, but he's got a chance still to do that at some point. And then Malik McDowell, the team's top draft pick, uh, we really haven't got a lot of solid information on him just because of the nature of the injury. But um, he has been cleared to do some conditioning work, Pete Carroll said, which is, it's a big step. I mean, it's, you know, it's a long way from being on the practice field, let alone game action. But if if that can happen at some point this season, that that would be a huge addition for them just to get, you know, very talented guy into that rotation who provides more depth. And as Pete Carroll loves to say so often, you can never have too many pass rushers.
1: No. No, you can't. Um, Although, there's a bit of a question as to how much we're going to see Eli Manning try to throw the ball this week as we kind of dive into the matchup just a little bit. Eli Manning has dealt with more injuries in that wide receiving room than I think any other quarterback has dealt with this year. He went into the game Sunday against the Broncos having thrown more passes per game than any other quarterback, and he attempts just 19 against the Broncos. Now, this is because he's left with I don't know a couple guys off the street in his wide receiver uh, room, in which he's teaching them how to run his route, how to run their routes before the game, right? What are initial thoughts? What can we expect to see from the Giants this week?
2: I think they'll probably try to run the ball again early. Uh, And you look at last week, they didn't really have any other wide receivers available. Obviously, no Odell Beckham, no Brandon Marshall. So they relied a lot on Evan Ingram, their uh, first-round pick, who's who's a great talent from Ole Miss. Uh, But you look at the running game, they had Orleans Darkwa, who ran for 117 yards and 21 carries uh, against Denver, of, of all teams. And amazingly... Uh, Melvin, think about this: Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, Marshawn Lynch, and Lashawn McCoy, all against Denver, have totaled fifty carries for ninety-five yards, and he topped that in one game last week on the road in the game that they were not favored to win at all. So I think probably they're going to look to build off of that. And, I, I mean, they're, they're probably going to mix in some of their other guys, maybe Wayne Gallman. Um, hopefully maybe they'll get Paul Perkins back. We'll see. But they have a lot of different guys to will try to mix in. But I think they'll probably just try to go at the running game again early. And if it doesn't, then they'll probably go right back to trying to pass the ball again.
0: Well, what will be interesting, you know, we always hear you can't win a game in the first quarter, you can't win it in the second quarter. It's all about the finish. All of that's true. However, if there are ever a team in a game where playing from ahead – early on might benefit you it'll be this one because that's a formula that's going to be a lot harder to stick with if you can get ahead I mean they were able to do that because they were getting turnovers they had a pick six their defense was getting it done they didn't ever get in a situation where they had to pass if you can get maybe a double digit lead or even a one score lead in the second half you can show that you can stop the run and that we could have a whole long conversation about the Seahawks run defense because it's been weird this year because it has been so good in stretches, and then they give up the one big play, which skews the numbers. So if they can avoid that big play and just stuff the run, then, yeah, you, if you make Eli Manning have to throw with, with the limited weapons he has, it could be a really good day for the defense.
1: Well, and on those big plays, when you, meant it, when you mentioned what Darqua did against the Broncos, he had three runs of over 15 yards That's more than the Giants had totaled in the first five games of the season combined. So we know that they've got the capability of having a couple of those explosive plays. And John, I'm curious if you kind of got the same vibe that I did in talking to a few players after they came back from their bye weekend, just when they evaluated the film. You know, none of them were worried about those explosive plays. I'm not sure that they're going to admit whether they were or not to you and I anyway, but they feel like it's very fixable.
0: Yeah, and I think you know the more concerning ones. I think were the the against San Francisco, Carlos Hyde did, and obviously against the Titans, it cost them the game. You know, not that you can just dismiss it, but the they held they shut Todd Gurley out pretty much in that game, and the one big run they gave up was a receiver in the backfield on a play where I believe Goff audibled because he saw the Seahawks had a very light defensive packaging because it was third and third and long, so. That, you know, give the Rams credit. It was a great play call in the moment. Tavon Austin's a hell of an athlete, but those aren't the plays that you think are things that teams can just come out and repeat against you. It's when when you're getting just the ball pounded on you and getting blown off the line of scrimmage. That's more concerning than you know a guy misses an assignment. You got to fix those things. You can't give up the big plays, but it's easier to fix.
1: And when you talk about making sure that you are stout up front, regardless as to what's going on. Is it just me or Sheldon Richardson? I'm not saying that he was in a show when he got here. He's come out of his show a little bit, huh? Like a bit. he, he's his personality is yeah. He's he's coming out a little bit, huh? Yeah, you know, a couple
0: turnovers will help. You know, you get you get to show off your your skills in the open field. Shows off the hand that, that catch he had on the interception. Was it impressive. was pretty impressive. Ball tips off the running back's hand and he goes and gets it. So. Yeah, I mean he's he's been solid all year. It's it's so hard for interior linemen sometimes to to really show what they're you know if you're watching the film and you know what their assignments are you can see how well they're playing but the flash plays just aren't always there for him and you know he's been solid all year but he's gonna get better he, you know he got here so late that he didn't know the whole defense they were kind of more limited in what they could do with him so we've seen him progress and last you know two weeks ago against the Rams was a very big step in the right direction and I think you know. A, He's going to be a huge part of this defense going forward.
1: Shaq Griffin has been a huge part of this defense as a rookie, getting lots of reps. And, you know, his attitude is, I hope quarterbacks keep looking at me and seeing rookie next to my name and they keep throwing the ball my direction because I want to have my opportunities. I want to have fun out there and I'm ready for it. Which you don't see a whole lot of rookies. And when he says it, it's very believable. And he is backing up everything that he says. Look, if Eli Manning isn't throwing the ball, if they, you know, for some reason, that's just not the way the game plays out. I don't know that we're going to see it this week. But where have we seen Shaq take the biggest step?
2: That's a good question to think about. Um, I Because the thing is, I want to say his maturity, but he's already been a really mature guy for a rookie. I mean, Doug Baldwin, we call him the... Did you call him his favorite rookie? If he was something, something like
0: that. I mean, yeah, he's everybody's been raving about him. I remember yeah. Chris Richard said he's one of the most mentally advanced guys they've had yeah. in terms of you know what he was able to do coming in. And and to me, I mean, just he's been solid all along. But what really just jumps out is we've seen time and time again the with what the Seahawks ask of their corners, the importance of staying on top, the the technique that they use. That's pretty different than what most guys are learning in college. It's an adjustment period for everybody, whether it's free agents, rookies. I mean, Richard Sherman is the obvious one who played well as a rookie, but he didn't start until I think it was eight, nine games in that season because guys in front of him got hurt. I mean, rookies just have not come in and played right away here. It just doesn't happen. And he's he's doing it, and he's been really solid. And he's, you know, as we all knew he would when you're opposite Richard Sherman, he's been tested, and he's held up time and time again.
1: And when you talk about the technique, the one that he's been working on recently says when receivers, you know, are, are playing When he's pressing against them, they try to throw him by, right, and and try to get by him. And so the technique he's working on is applying basically the same amount of force that the receivers apply against him so that he doesn't get knocked off that where he's trying to go. I guess he's not running the route. They are. But he doesn't get knocked off his path. He holds his ground. It's something that he has never done before. It's something that he didn't even consider in college that Sherm has just taught him in the last few weeks. And it is working well. And he has been able to pick it up like that. So
2: he also rebounds really well. I think for somebody that you know, he gave up his first touchdown against the Colts, right? And then he comes back and says, I needed that to happen. And he comes back the next couple of plays and he, he you know, he makes he makes a lot of plays right after something bad happens instead of letting it get to him. And I think that's I mean as a quarterback you gotta have that. You gotta have that poise to stick in and to be able to just turn things around in a quick second. And so he's that's, that's one thing that's also been really impressive to me is that, you know, if something bad happens, he doesn't just let it get to him. He's like, okay, you know what? I, I needed that to happen to me. Let's see what I can do after this.
1: Yeah, he is so impressive. Last thing before we wrap up this edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast, we know how good the defense can be. We know how well they played against the Rams. What do we need to see from the offense? And I I know that it's about how you finish, but is there something we need nice to, to see start. out of the gates? Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, going back to the earlier conversation in this particular game with this particular opponent, it would be very helpful just game situation wise. But I mean, it's almost cliche to say at this point, but it's the running game. I mean, if they can get out, they've, they've tried to establish the run and there's been different reasons, whether it's just situations down or distance or various things that, you know, some games they've been behind and haven't been able to stick with it. but. If they can get that running game going, and, you know, you don't need to go out and rush for 150 yards in the first half or anything, but just get, you know, some, some solid running game going and get some drives that you don't have to, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need a touchdown or a drive, but at least, you know, get those first downs where you can flip field position or get the field goals and just keep the defense off the field. And, if you know, if, if they can just kind of build off that and then do what they do, seem to always do in the second half, they're going to be in great shape.
2: It's really to piggyback off of what John just said, but I I have to go with the running game, too. Other than J.D. McKissick, nobody else has has ran for a touchdown from the running back group, that is. So I want to see somebody punch it in or somebody uh, take control early on the first drive. Honestly, I want to see it on the first drive. I would love to see the running game, take control, set the tone early and to be able to score a touchdown right off the bat on the first drive to kind of set things up for
1: Well, that is something that has not happened in 17 straight games for the Seahawks. They have not scored a touchdown on the opening drive. That's what I would like to see them do this week against the Giants, and hopefully it'll give us something to talk about next week when we rejoin you for another edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. Thanks to John and Aaron. You can check out uh, all of their writings and musings on Seahawks.com. I got you covered on the sidelines On Sunday, we'll see you next week.